This episode, we talk about the idea of equity. We also talk about how in seeking equity, we are erasing the roles of women in our culture. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm just an American. The idea of equality in American culture is an important one. The 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution guarantees equal protection to all American citizens under the law. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has a national holiday to celebrate him and his role in fighting for equality. And every year around MLK Day, school children across the country learn about his legacy and the fight for civil rights in America. The woman's suffrage movement was about fighting for women to have the right to vote and not be denied it simply based on biological sex. The fight for equality is a noble one. I do believe in equal protection under the law. Real justice demands that the law be applied equally to everyone. That means that if someone who is an adult robs a liquor store, the punishment for that crime should be the same, regardless if the person is black or white, male or female, gay or straight, rich or poor. I also believe in equality of opportunity. Equality of opportunity means that women should not be denied leadership positions in companies or governments simply because they are women. Equality of opportunity means that no one should be denied a mortgage loan or admittance to college because of the color of their skin. And in 2021 America, I think you would be hard-pressed to find many people who disagree with these sentiments. The radicals are out there, sure, but despite what the powerful are trying to tell you, they actually are few and far between. But even noble fights, when taken too far or commandeered for the wrong reasons, can turn into something detrimental. The idea of equality in American life has actually moved and morphed into something that has become detrimental. It has moved into a discussion about equity. You will notice it if you listen to people talk about this issue now. They don't say equality anymore. They say equity. The word equity means fair. But what they are looking for isn't fairness when it comes to opportunity. What they are looking for is fairness when it comes to outcome. And that makes all the difference in the world. That difference is the difference between a noble cause and a harmful, even arguably an immoral one. You see, when they say that the goal is to achieve equality of outcome, what they are really seeking to achieve is uniformity, sameness. But human beings aren't all the same. In fact, we are profoundly different. There is actually a rich irony in the fact that the very same people in society who are promoting the idea of inclusivity for all different kinds of people are at the same time promoting ideas and policies that actually diminish our personal differences and individuality. We have each been given different skills and abilities and talents and roles in this world. If you are a person of faith, we believe that God put us on this earth, in this place, and at this time with our talents for a reason. But even if you aren't a person of faith, you can probably acknowledge that not everyone is going to be able to do all things, that we each have strengths and weaknesses, that those strengths and weaknesses make us different and capable of fulfilling different roles in society, and that that is okay. Not just okay, but actually really good. I was just talking about this with my eight-year-old yesterday. We were talking about individual talents and abilities and the fact that if every person on earth were the same or had the same talents and interests, our world wouldn't work. If everyone on earth had the talent and was destined to be a famous singer, for example, our world wouldn't survive. We need people to be doctors, teachers, home builders, farmers, and sanitation workers in order for society to function and thrive. God did not put me on this earth to be in the medical field. Anything that has to do with medicine absolutely turns my stomach. Others thrive in that field. 
God did not put me on this earth to play in the NBA. Not only am I female, but I am only five foot four. It's just not my calling. A society that focuses on equality of opportunity recognizes and embraces these differences. But with that is the recognition that in allowing people to embrace their differences and choose their own paths, we are also accepting that the outcomes will be different. I am not wealthy like a doctor or an NBA player. I don't live in a mansion. I don't drive a fancy car. And I don't own a lot of name brand clothes. And that's okay. It's okay because the trade-off is in my ability to choose a life path that works for me and my family, that brings me joy, and that I can actually be good at. But when we focus on equality of outcome, then the situation is not okay. It is not okay that some people have those fancy things and I do not. And if that is not okay, then something needs to change to fix it. But what can be changed? Really, one of only three things. Either I am going to be forced to go into an industry that I don't want to go into, or that doctor or NBA player must give me some of their money, or someone, and really it can only be the government, must come in and demand that my job as a substitute teacher, for example, must make an equal salary as a doctor or an NBA player. If none of those sound like reasonable demands, it is because they aren't. All demand a massive amount of government control over the lives of the citizens and a reduction of our personal freedoms in order to make them happen. There are many different ways in which this philosophy of equity, which is really just another word for uniformity, has worked its way into our culture. But I think for the sake of conversation, these ideas can be divided into four main categories. In gender roles, in economics, in race relations, and in our interpretation of the Bible. Many of these categories are interrelated, but I think that they are all worth having a conversation about. This topic is far too detailed and in-depth to cover in one day, so I'm actually going to talk about this over my next few episodes. Today, I'm going to focus on how this applies to gender roles and how we view gender roles in our culture. In 2021 America, it has become oddly controversial to say that men and women are different. But whether or not that statement is contentious, it is nevertheless true. Men and women are different from each other. There are obvious biological differences. Men are typically physically stronger than women and of a larger build. Women are the ones who can get pregnant and nurse babies. These are scientific and biological realities that cannot be washed away no matter how many magazine covers we see with the headline, Man Gives Birth, referring to a transgender man who is actually a biological woman. These physical differences do matter in the way we live our lives. They do affect our ability to do certain jobs, for example. No matter how much I work out or strength train, I will never be able to be as physically strong as a six-foot-tall male who also works out and strength trains. There are certain jobs that require physical strength that that male will simply always be able to do better than me. No matter how hard I work, for example, I will never be able to beat Anthony Davis in a basketball game. In fact, that is probably true of most, if not all, of the players in the WNBA as well. This is why we have separate leagues for men and women after all, a fact that our society finds it convenient to forget or ignore. The fact that women are the ones who carry the babies also matters. If a woman has a baby, it does affect her physical ability to do certain things. Some women, myself included, suffer with terrible morning sickness in the beginning of our pregnancies. By the ninth month, we are physically exhausted and we are limited in what we can do. Everyone has seen the pictures and the videos of pregnant women struggling to pick up something off the floor. And then there is the time needed to actually give birth and physically recover. 
Men and women are also different in terms of personality traits. Women tend to be more emotional and sensitive. We tend to flock towards jobs and careers that require more of a caring touch. Things like elementary school teachers or child care or counseling. Men tend to be more analytical and physical. They tend to flock to jobs of manual labor or jobs in fields like engineering or technology. Notice I keep saying tend. I am saying this on purpose. Once again, these are the trends, and there are many exceptions to the trends. And even within these trends, there are spectrums. Some women have more patience with young children than others. Some women are better with power tools than others. Some are more crafty. Some like to cook, and some hate it. Some men are more physical, while others maybe are better with technology. Some men have very little patience for young kids, while others are excellent with kids. I have seen really great male elementary school teachers, and there are plenty of fantastic female engineers, cops, and scientists. But just because there is not one rigid definition for male and female doesn't mean there are not trends. It doesn't mean there are not differences. And it doesn't mean that those differences don't matter and affect how we live. They do. We are looking to the fact that there are men and women who do not fit into traditional gender roles and biological differences to say that those roles and differences aren't actually real at all. And we hear this all the time, that these roles are nothing but a societal construct, and if we change our perception of them, everything will change. But we need to ask ourselves, what is the goal of demanding that these differences between men and women disappear? What is the purpose of that? The proponents of this philosophy say that the goal is to free the individual from societal restraints and expectations. For most of Western history, women were expected to stay at home and cook and clean and raise the children. They didn't have any other options. They couldn't decide to forego having a family to be a scientist or even to choose to have a family, but also a career as well. We wanted women to have equal opportunity, a worthy goal. But that has changed now. We have done what Western society always does. We have overcorrected. The pendulum has swung too far. Now, a woman who makes the choice to embrace a traditional gender role is criticized. If a woman chooses to spend her life as a homemaker and a stay-at-home mom, she is told that she is wasting her life, wasting her potential. If you don't believe me, just go check out any of the social media pages for any of the women in the Duggar family, that famous fundamental Christian family where all of the women are stay-at-home moms and wives and homemakers. You can see in the comments all of the disparaging remarks that are made to them about the fact that they're wasting their life. They should go to school. They should go to college. They should get a job. It is pretty nonstop. A woman who chooses a traditional role is told that she is unfulfilled, that she is dependent on a man. Even if it is considered acceptable for a woman to take a break from her career while her kids are young, it must just be a break and the shortest one possible. As soon as the kids are old enough or in school, she is expected to get her butt back to work. What is really interesting is that this idea of freedom from traditional gender roles has not actually applied equally to men. Men are not becoming homemakers or stay-at-home dads at the same rate that women are going to work. If a man is the stay-at-home parent, then he is praised only really in terms of the fact that he is supporting his wife's ability to achieve her career dreams. In general, men really are still expected to work and provide, Most women do not want to support their man. So what does this tell us? It is not actually that society wished to erase gender role expectations, freeing both men and women from the constraints they created. It is that society has only wished to erase the female role. The role of homemaking and child rearing is the role that is not sufficient. That is the role that is not rewarding, not fulfilling, not worthy. The message that we have sent as a society is that you are only as valuable as the paycheck you bring in. 
A role in society that does not directly generate wealth is not worthy. What we have done is not to say that everyone should have equal opportunity. What we have said is that we should all be the same. And that sameness means we should all be men. Every goal that our culture sets for women today is to become like men. And any way that a woman is not exactly like a man is disparaged or lamented, and a solution must be found to remedy this supposed injustice. Let's talk for a minute to exemplify this about the gender pay gap argument. Those who promote female equity decry the fact that there is a gender pay gap. They say that women make something like 70 cents on the dollar compared to men. This must mean discrimination. This must mean an inequality of opportunity. Therefore, this must be remedied. Women deserve to earn the same money as men for equal work. But this entire argument is profoundly intellectually dishonest. You will notice that they never say women make 70 cents on the dollar compared to men for the same work. Those two sentences are never combined because that statement is a lie and they know it is a lie. The way they get that pay gap number is to take an average of all the salaries of men and women in America working full time and compare them. That's it. That conclusion is come to based on only those two factors, gender and full-time status. It does not consider anything else, like hours worked, job performance, years experience, years education, or industry choice. And all of those things matter. The real reason why women make less than men on average is because women tend to choose careers that typically pay less, and women tend to prioritize things like schedule flexibility and even wanting to work less hours so that they can spend more time with their children. Because once again, men and women are different and have different abilities and wants and priorities. Yes, there are exceptions to the rules, but that doesn't erase the rules. When you look at the reasons why women on average make less than men, it becomes clear that the desired outcome is not equality of opportunity, but uniformity. But the only way to achieve that is either to force women to make different career choices than they want to, or to have the government step in and dictate what each industry pays to ensure that there is no discrepancy. The only way to achieve that uniformity that they are seeking is to eliminate personal freedoms and give the government control. Let's take two public sector jobs as an example. On average, the salary of police officers is higher than the salary of an elementary school teacher. Women make up only 11.9% of law enforcement officers, and men make up only 24% of school teachers, only 11% of elementary school teachers. Is there something profoundly wrong with these numbers? Is it wrong that cops make more than teachers when their job is so much more dangerous? Is it wrong that law enforcement is dominated by men and teaching by women? When men and women are given the freedom to make their own choices, this is what they choose. This is where we end up. Should we remove those choices from them? Should we mandate that half of cops be women and half of teachers be men? Is that really going to be helpful to anyone? Of course not. I work in education. I would absolutely hate being a cop. My brother is a police officer, and I promise he would absolutely hate being a school teacher. Let's take a look at another situation. Hours worked. As I mentioned, women who have children are more likely to want to work less and more flexible hours so that they can be there for their kids. When I was younger, I worked in a sales office at a hotel. My director of sales at the time was a woman, a mom of three kids. When her youngest child started school, she decided it was important to her to be there for her kids when they got out of school every day. She talked to management and asked if she could leave at 2 every day so she could pick up her kids from school and be there for them in the afternoons and the evenings. She was even willing to take a pay cut to do that. 
Management agreed, and everyone was satisfied with the situation. At the hotel next door, the director of sales was a man. He made no such request to his management, and therefore worked more hours, and did not receive any decrease in pay. Both were considered full-time employees. One made less than the other because of a choice she made. Is that wrong? The proponents of equity would say, yes, that is wrong. Some would argue that her taking a cut in pay amounts to discrimination, since as a woman, she has different needs from her job, and the companies should accept that. But that is not equality. That is now preferential treatment for women. Some would argue that she shouldn't have had the choice in the first place, because it harms societal equity. If the goal is equality of opportunity, this situation, which made everyone happy, was perfectly acceptable. If the goal was equality of outcome, then it shouldn't have been allowed. If that sounds far-fetched, then don't take my word for it. Listen to feminist icon Simone de Beauvoir, who famously said back in the 1970s, no woman should be authorized to stay home to raise her children. Women should not have that choice because if there is such a choice, too many women will make that one. Or how about the feminist writer Sarah Lamarcant, who made waves back in 2017 when she wrote a column in Australia stating that she believed it should be illegal, yep, illegal, to be a stay-at-home mom. The only way to achieve uniformity of outcome is to eliminate freedom and personal choice. Our current drive to make women into men is not beneficial to women. It is detrimental to us. The goal of the original feminist movement was to give women more equality of opportunity. That gave women more freedom to make the life choices that were best for them. A worthy goal. But modern day feminism is actually seeking to do the same thing that old school misogyny did. Dictate to women what they must do. We went from women must stay in the house to women must get out of the house. We went from women must have the opportunity to choose from many different careers to women must only focus on STEM or leadership roles now because women are underrepresented in those careers and that must be remedied. If there is a field where women are underrepresented, it must be because there is a problem, a discrimination that must be addressed. They can't accept that it might be because less women want to work in those fields. And the reason for this is because our society has decided that the desired goal is uniformity. If men and women are different, which we are, and the desired goal is uniformity, then we must make a choice about which way we are going to all conform. And we have chosen the male role. And the reason we have chosen the male role is because by worldly standards, might is right. Strength and power and money are most important. And traditionally, the male role is what is associated with all those things. So we must become male. We have disparaged the feminine role and all of its benefits to society. Child rearing is not a worthless role, but actually one of the most important. What, after all, could be more important than bringing up the next generation? Being emotional is not necessarily a negative thing. What kind of a world would we be without compassion and caring and emotion? Men and women are different because we were made to complement each other, to balance each other out, to support each other, to achieve all of the things that must be achieved in life procreation, providing, protection, and taking care of ourselves and our families. But the idea that men and women complement each other is absolutely unpalatable for certain people. It is unacceptable to the third wave feminists who cannot stand the idea of any woman tying herself to a man, depending on one for financial support while she stays home to care for the kids. It is offensive to women and men who fall outside of the typical gender norms. The women who have no intention of having kids, who are career-driven, or who just aren't really feminine, 
or the men who aren't super masculine, who aren't, you know, interested in taking roles like police officers or firefighters. If you don't fall into those specific gendered categories, then sometimes people are like, you know what, we just need to erase the category itself. But the answer to those people is to point out that freedom is always the best policy. The freedom to make one's own life choices is always going to win. I would never want to stand in the way of a woman deciding that her calling in life is to lead a thriving career in lieu of or in addition to motherhood. But for them to stand in the way of my choice to adopt a more traditional gender role would be equally wrong. And for those who don't fit into the gendered mold, we need to accept the spectrum. Just because you are not super feminine doesn't make you less of a woman. Just because your choice is different from the majority doesn't make you bad or wrong. But at the same time, just because you don't fit the mold doesn't mean we should pretend there is no mold. True inclusivity is often not advocated for by the very people who speak the loudest about it. The attempted elimination of gender roles, and really specifically the female gender, is not a good thing. It is not leading our society to a good place. Women who are trying to balance it all are often, not always, but often, exhausted, overstressed, and ridden with anxiety. And when this is pointed out, the solution prescribed is that men need to do more. Men need to help out more around the house, encourage the women in their lives more, take more care of the kids. Maybe. Or maybe we need to allow women to feel okay about saying no to trying to do it all and have it all, at least at all the same time. We need to learn to appreciate what women have to offer to the world as women again. The world needs women. And no, we don't need to make one choice. We don't need to have all women either be homemakers or all women be career women. We can actually allow women to make as individuals the choice that is best for them. And that even includes a choice that is a combination of the two different roles. But the only way we can do that is to abandon this destructive notion that what we ought to seek is equality of outcome, that the desired goal is actually equity. Equity is not about fairness. It is about uniformity. And that is absolutely not a worthy pursuit. All right, we're going to go to the questions. So every week we do three questions that we answer relating to the topic that we're talking about. So question number one comes from Claire. It's a little bit long, so I'm going to read the question. It says, is Anthony Fauci winking at the notion of equity in his latest interview with New England Journal of Medicine? Apparently, Fauci said, quote, I think the one thing we need to be careful of, we don't want in the beginning that most of the people who are getting the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, I'm thinking, are otherwise, well, middle class white people, Fauci said in the interview. Quote, you really want to get it to the people who are really the most vulnerable. You want to get it to everybody, but you don't want to have a situation where people who really are in need of it because of where they are, where they live, what their economic status is, that they don't have access to the vaccine, end quote. Um, so is he winking at the notion of equity? I mean, Fauci really lost a lot of credibility in my eyes when it comes to this entire issue when he refused to condemn the thousands and thousands of protest people protests that were going on all summer long. He refused to condemn it. He refused to say, you know, hey, guys, like, 
not the time right now. Um, so that just kind of told me that anything that he says when it comes to this virus, it is tainted by politics. For all of the talk about how he is willing to tell, speak the hard truths and willing to say the hard things that people don't want to hear. I mean, not really, because when he had to tell people who were protesting all summer long about racial injustice in America, when he you know, was in a position to tell them, we're in the middle of a pandemic, guys, like get your butts inside the house and protest about this later. He walked away from that responsibility and he didn't do that. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that plays politics. If anybody thinks he doesn't play politics, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but I think you're fooling yourself. Really what it comes down to is, you know, maybe if I think that if he wants to talk about like the people who need it most and the fact that a lot of the people who are the most vulnerable are people who are like frontline workers, people who work in grocery stores or fast food chains or restaurants um, or other people who, you know, maybe are in the jobs that pay less money and so they make less money and, you know, some of these people are living as families um, in houses where multiple families are in sharing one space so there's a lot of exposure to different things. I mean, that's fine. But when he says, like, we don't want white middle class people to be getting all the vaccines. I mean, yeah, that's totally that's totally virtue signaling towards, you know, trying to appear like he's woken and with it. All right. Question number two comes from Harvey. Should our Constitution merely provide the potential for equality to exist or should it guarantee an equal outcome? Uh, yeah, the Constitution absolutely should not guarantee an equal outcome. That is precisely the problem that we are facing right now um, and what this entire conversation is about, it should not guarantee an equal outcome. It, cu it could not guarantee an equal outcome. We have seen and throughout history situations where the government tries to guarantee an equal outcome. And it is my assertion that every time that equal outcome is what is, is tried to be guaranteed, the only way that we can achieve that is by losing our freedoms. The only way that we can achieve that is by massive government overreach into our lives, taking away the freedom of the individual to make their own life choices. That is the only way that that can happen. So no, our constitution should only provide for equal protection under the law. It should only provide for, you know, equal opportunity. It should say that, you know, if, if there is a job and the job lists certain qualifications, if you meet those qualifications, you are a potential, you know, candidate for that job. You should not be disqualified for a job because of the color of your skin, because of your gender, because of your religion, um, or any of these other, you know, protected categories. However, I no, it should definitely not focus on equality of opportunity, or I'm sorry, on equality of outcome. And Question number three comes from Sean. Will massively increasing taxes on wealthy individuals and corporations while simultaneously eliminating tax loopholes bring fairness and equity that progressives call for? So on my next episode of the podcast, I'm going to actually talk about the situation of equity when it comes to economics, because I think that that in and of itself is a very in-depth, detailed conversation, um, because that's where we start talking in about socialism, really socialist policies. That's exactly what socialism is. It is the desire to even the playing field, not the not for the players to play, but to even the field so that the the outcome is equal for all people. Okay. And so I'm going to actually answer this question on my next episode where I talk about, you know, socialism and economics and how our desire for equity in this realm is, um, in my opinion, is quite misguided. 
Thank you for taking a moment out of your day to talk about how the push for equity has diminished the view of the female role in society. I will be back next week with another deep dive into issues affecting American life from the perspective of just an American. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps each and every week. Also, please share this episode with a family member or a friend so we can help spread the word. You can follow me on Twitter at JJNAmerican. You can also message the show by sending an email to JJ at I'mJustAnAmerican.com or visiting our Locals page at I'mJustAnAmerican.Locals.com. You can also follow the show on Instagram at I'mJustAnAmerican. This episode was produced and edited by Brian White. Music for this episode was written and performed by Michael Beatty.